I would invite you to turn in your Bibles this evening, the book of Joshua, chapter 23. Two chapters remain in this book of history concerning the people of God, our forefathers, and those whom God chose to reveal himself, who received the law, the prophets, and are our fathers In every sense, in the faith, Joshua in particular called after Moses to lead the children of Israel over the Jordan into the land of promise. There he and Israel defeated 31 kings. God gave to Israel that land and called them to nurture it. And much like Moses, as Joshua is leaving, because he is going to his fathers before him. He is old, he says, advanced in age. What would you say to those as you are yourself preparing to enter into eternity? That is what we find. Joshua chapter 23, I'll read the whole chapter. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old, advanced in age, Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot those nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore be very courageous to keep And to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you. As he promised you, therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God or else... If indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold. This day, I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing 
has failed of all the good things which, your, which the Lord your God had spoke to you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given to you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let me pray for the blessing of the preaching of it. Lord, as we come to your word this evening, we would ask that we would find ourselves not as remote participants, somehow looking in upon your dealings with a strange people, for though these were ancient times, this is your word for your church in every age. It is for us. And so when you say to them, one man shall chase a thousand, this is not a promise that has expired. But it is even for us today. A promise of great presence and blessing for those who put not their trust in idols or princes or kings of this earth, but who put their trust and hope in you. Lord, we want to drive out a thousand, each and every one of us. For this is the glory that remains for those who seek hard after you, and not merely for the sake of our glory, but our desire, Lord, is that through us you might build an everlasting kingdom. And so, Lord, speak to us then, your servants, we pray in your name. Amen. I don't know if you ever have a hard time when you're perhaps writing a letter to a loved one. Maybe it's on a special occasion, a birthday, an anniversary. Sometimes it's hard to choose words. Sometimes that's because you can't think of the words, or sometimes it's because there's so much running through your mind, you are not sure how to organize those things. I cannot imagine if I were granted opportunity what I would say to my children or those close to me as my life nears an end. If you walk down the educational building hallway, there's a new bulletin board on my door because if you're familiar with the fact that I had to break into my office one Sunday morning because I locked the door and my Bible and my sermon notes and the phone which we record all of our sermons on, they were all trapped inside. And then I did it again. (laughs) When, someone asks. (laughs) So I decided cork is cheaper than glass. And I posted something on that cork board and it's a a picture uh, that was, or plates that were commissioned, given to a man named Gustave Doré. Uh, some of those plates that are in a Bible, I would say, are not um, fit for human consumption because they contain images of Jesus. Um, but one of them is Moses standing on Mount Sinai, and he's holding the Ten Commandments. 
And in place of the Ten Commandments, someone has edited it, if you know what a meme is, and it simply says on the tablets, don't be a punk. And maybe that's a good summary. Don't be a punk. Be wise. How do you boil it down? Well, in Joshua chapter 23, you think of all the things that Joshua and Israel has endured. Joshua was with Israel from the very beginning. And when I say the very beginning, I mean he left Egypt with them. He crossed the Red Sea. He was there in the land called Mara, bitterness with the bitter waters. And he saw water come from a rock. He pleaded with the nation when they came to the border not to listen to those no good cowardly ten spies who said to the nation, it's not possible. We should turn away. And he with his brother Caleb pleaded, let's do it. Let's go in. Let's take the land. God has given it to us. And for 40 years, every single compatriot, every friend, every loved one, save Moses and Caleb, died in the wilderness. And he was left. Can you imagine such things that he saw? Splendid things indeed. Can you imagine the things that the saints of God see? Those who endure and remain Covenant communities for a long time, births, deaths, extraordinary works of God, of provision, of mighty power. Just in our 12 years, think of all that God has done. And I mean all of it. The good, the bad, and everything in between. The hard times. It's, it's glorious. You know you're doing it right, if I may say it, when you get excited about a parking lot. <laughs> You know you're doing it right when you feel the sting, when you lose loved ones. That's covenant community. And so when Joshua gathers Israel to himself, and he gathers the tribes, he gathers the elders, the heads of the tribes, the judges and the officers, what he says to them, in essence, don't be a bunch of punks. Heed the word of God. Now, when you may say that, and maybe you would say that to one of your children or a a young person in the church, in jest, what are you in essence saying? Don't trample upon the good gifts of God. Don't take all that you have been given and be ungrateful. Don't be a stinker, maybe, is what my mom would have said to me when I was a little child. Two points that I want to make tonight. First, holiness is the mission. Holiness is the mission. And then secondly, a word that does not pass away. Let's look at the first point. Holiness is the mission. In verses 1 through 5 and in verse 10, Joshua calls all of Israel led by their heads and he says, look at what God has done. Think back. He opens the wedding photo book. He opens the vacation photos and he says, look at what God has done. Do you see all these things? Look back. Verse 3. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. So on and so on. 
And then he says, the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So there was an initial 31 king defeat. And then God says he will continue, he promises, to do as he has done. And then look at verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. This is how the church will win the world. This is what it means when we read, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There is not a man among us who can defeat a thousand. But when God is on his side, such things are possible. How do I know this? Not because pastors are prone to exaggeration. Right? (laughs) They are. I remember when I had to fill out... (laughs) the reports for the Home Missions Committee, and I would look at those numbers and go, I just wish I could add five. <laughs> we, could just get, we could get over 70 if I just add five. There were, I think there were that many people there. If my mem- No, padding your numbers, you know what I mean? It's not a good way to live. If you do that with the stock market, you can go to jail. What has the Lord done? He has done exactly what he has said he will do. He has given to you victory. He has given to you the land. Now, if this is you, and you have seen all of these things, and there still remains for you some commission to continue to purify the land, what would be the state of your heart where you would miss your leader? Such a dear, faithful, mighty, godly man. And you would also think, you know what? God has given me great things. And there is something about the nature of the human heart. Once you get the gift, I remember as a child, it was the last Christmas in which my grandmother was allowed to give us more than one gift. (laughs) My dad put a kibosh on the many gifts under the tree, because it was me. I was the culprit. I opened the gift, and I turned to my grandmother. I said, is that it? I had been conditioned. (laughs) Well, let me say it this way. She was good to lavish us with such great gifts. It was my ungrateful heart that took occasion to have my eyes move from the gift that I had just been given to the thing that maybe I could have. Now, here's the danger. Israel is living in a land that had been given them to, to them by God, and yet there were still people in the land who functioned much like the serpent at the tree. I have these things over here for you. Can you imagine the enticements of the heart? And so even as Joshua says to Israel, look at what God has done. This is your faithful God. He makes you powerful. He elevates you in the sight of your enemies. He does all of this. He then, in verses 6 through 11, says, now keep covenant. Do not become bewitched. Do not become enticed. The things of this land. Verse 6, therefore. What is a therefore? Children, a therefore connects something that has just been said to what is about to be said or read. In light of what we have read, 
In light of what Joshua has already said, be very courageous. Why courageous? Because sometimes obedience takes courage. It takes bravery. Children, does it not take courage sometimes to stand up to your friends? When they say, let's do this, and you know it's wrong. Take courage to keep and to do some, no, not some, all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. And when you do this, when you take care of your hearts, when you are courageous, you will not turn to the right or to the left. This is another thing we like to do. Did God really say that? Did he? And already, what have we done in our hearts when we ask that question? Not God hath said, but did God say? We have already turned right. The blinker is on. When we read in Genesis 3, and when the woman saw the fruit and it was a delight to her, the blinker was on. She was preparing to turn right or left. She had already committed to go in that direction. And lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. This is what the Lord does not want Israel to do. Having been given this pure, undefiled religion, don't try to fit something into it. So there's two different types of, well, there's many different types of Lego blocks, but I want to talk about two different kinds. Children, listen. There are those Lego blocks that have a connecting in on the top and the bottom or the sides. And then there are those Lego blocks that have a connecting block, and then there are smooth. And nothing can be joined to them. And nothing ought to be. It cannot be. When God gave us his law, we are to receive it and say, Nothing is to be added or taken away from it. Nothing can be sort of manhandled and crammed next to it. And the way in which we know we are endeavoring to build this monstrosity that is not meant to be changed is when we ask in our hearts, did God really say that? Did he say it? And instead, what are we to do? Not add to, take away, seek to pervert the law of God, but hold fast. You shall hold fast to the Lord your God. Now, the language of holding fast is like what? Uh, I think of my children when we were in the swimming pool and they were very young. And you grab them. And as you're entering into the water, what are they doing? I can't breathe. Let go. And they're sort of, trying to do whatever they can to get out of the water, and they're holding fast. Why are they holding fast? Because they see you as the life raft. They're fearful of what's out there, and they know that if they hold fast to you, they will be safe. Holding fast is not the language of rote memorization. Holding fast is the language of heart devotion. And there is one way in which your heart will be prompted to hold fast to God. And that is to recount, to take memory, to take stock and inventory 
of God's magnificent deeds for you and for his covenant people. Remember. Remember. It's like remembering your wedding vows and forgetting what your bride looked like on the day. As though somehow vows are given in a vacuum. As though there was not already, prior to those vows, a deep affection and love. And as you keep those vows, what continues to enable you to do so is remembering the affection you have for your spouse. And there is this mutual feeding of one another. God hath said... Look at what God has done, and in doing so, our souls are nourished. And we look at God and we say, you're my only hope. Holiness is the mission. It is the holiness of a people. It is the holiness of a person. Because if we do not seek holiness, if we do not seek to exalt God in our midst, if we, verse 12, or else, if indeed you do go back, And cling to the remnant of these nations, right? To go back as though these nations had never been driven out. What will God do? If you make marriages with them. If you go into them and they to you. If you make covenant basically is what Joshua is saying. You need to know that God will cease to drive them out from you. He'll let you have them. He'll give them to you. This is a way of judgment. It is the way of idolatry, and it leads to death in two ways. Idolatry sets God against you, and it sets your idols upon you. It is like walking out into the woods where there are wolves with no protection. Except here, it is not just the idols that want to kill you. Because that is all they do. The things that your sin promise are not good at the end. They are destructive. Satan does not have your best interest at heart. He wants to kill you and eat your soul and bring you to the pit with him. And so God warns Israel, do not, through Joshua, do not go back And one of the great explicit examples of the futility of idolatry is what has happened to the nations that were conquered. Don't go like that. Don't be those people. Parents, maybe you've had those moments in your life where you're talking to your children and you see them heading in a direction and you say, just stop. For the love of God, stop. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. Stop. And one way it's heard is, they're trying to rule my life and tell me what to do. That's one way of thinking of the law, isn't it? The other way of thinking of the law is, maybe, just maybe, God knows what is in fact good for me. And so, when we ask the question about what God can do, it's a helpful question in the children's catechism. The answer is, Reflected in this sentence, God can do all his holy will. There are certain things God cannot do 
that are in alignment with his holy character. He cannot excuse sin by merely saying, eh, pish posh, no big deal. He must do what? He must judge. Idolatry sets the trap. And that leads me then to my second point. A word that does not pass away. Of all that we see in the word of God, there is one thing that we can stake our lives upon, and that is that whatever God says is true, and that all truth is God's truth. And if we are to follow any in this world, we must at the very least follow those who are more certain than others. Here's an example. You have a million dollars. or Maybe you just have kids, ten dollars. And you want to put it in the bank. And you go, you have a choice. You have two banks, one on one end of the corner, one on the other. In one bank, you walk in and you notice there's no lock on the door. And then you walk in and you see that the door of the safe is wide open and there's sort of bills scattered everywhere on the floor. And you take your money and you turn around and you walk to the other bank. And then you walk to the other one. And they've got one of those little fancy eye scanners, and they let you in. And then you walk in, and you see that there is this massive vault with a huge lock, and there are men standing there with guns. What are you going to do with your money? Sir, I would like to give you my $10. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We'll make sure this is safe for you, and when we invest it, we'll hopefully get you some interest on that. Or perhaps maybe you are <clears throat> in some form of danger and you need to hire someone who will protect you physically. And you go and you begin to look through a, a list of people that may make suitable bodyguards. And you see the guy. He's 5'4", 125 pounds. A little squirrely looking. And then you turn the page and there's the guy. Retired linebacker at the NFL. 6'4", 245 what are you going to do? <laughs> See, we know how to make decisions that benefit ourselves. These are obvious. Silly, really, even to use them as illustrations, but perhaps on a Sunday afternoon late in the day, it's helpful to capture your attention if I've achieved that. <laughs> as it relates to who you should go with, who should you go with? As it relates to gods, is there anyone like the God of the Bible? A God who makes promises, who cannot help but keep those promises, for he is a God who does not change. There is no shifting shadow of change. He is faithful through and through. What he has said, not one word of it will pass away. In fact... When we accuse God of infidelity or going back on his word, it is not the product of an unfaithful God. It is ultimately the product of a blind and stupid people. I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning and think, one man of you shall chase a thousand? I'm excited about the next time I go out shopping. <laughs> Who am I going to go after today? Right? Who? And who can stand against the will of God? Who will we invest in? Who will we seek to guard? To whom will we cling for refuge? 
In whom is Joshua trusting? As he moves from one phase of life to another, I am going the way of all the earth. Where is he going? Well, his body is going into the ground. His soul is going to that place waiting for the resurrection of Christ. He will be at peace. In 1 Peter 1, we read chapter 1, sorry, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away. But the Lord... The word of the Lord endures forever. To whom shall you compare God? To whom shall you liken him? To man? Grass? Flesh? Flower? His final words conclude or include these things. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. But in this relationship, who has failed? Not God. Israel. And the great testimony of God's faithfulness is despite the failures of Israel... He is patient with them. He continues to be faithful. There is an attending, therefore, a future that is tied to a faithful past. Verse 15, therefore, it shall come to pass. As God has done, so he will continue to do. What is given to us as the covenant people of God throughout Scripture is a bulwark, a strong tower, of hope against an uncertain certain future. And what is that bulwark? Words. For us, it's words, primarily. Yes, we see God at work among us. It is at times hard to say, all right, what if this is, it's providence. But here in scripture, we see clear, direct revelation. What do we build our life upon? The revelation of God. This is our bulwark of hope, specifically a promise that it, that is, as it has been, so it will continue to be. Yet here, when Joshua communicates, therefore, it comes with a warning. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord. How does one remain in the good graces of God? By remaining in covenant with him. How? How? Well, there are clear instructions throughout this book, principally. We see one in this chapter, as I've already said. Cling, hold fast to God. But the way in which we are made able to hold fast to God is first a work of grace that is done in us. 
If I may put it this way, it is the Holy Spirit that binds our hearts to God's in mutual love and affection. He is the Velcro. (laughs) He is the strong arm. He is the thing that tethers us to God in such a way that the scriptures might say, is there anyone in heaven and on earth that is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Who is speaking here through Joshua? What does Jude say? It's, with, it's Jesus who's with Israel. This is the Messiah speaking. Christ is saying to his covenant people, Do not chase down those idols that will bring you into a state of me fighting against you. But endure, hold fast, cling in light of all the things that you have seen. So what then is the relationship between the law and the gospel? There can be no true understanding of the depths of God's love that are communicated to us in Christ Jesus upon the cross if we do not first understand that Christ came to die for great transgressors. And that Christ upon the cross is the fulfillment, is the glorious expansion on the principle that we find in the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God that has brought you out of the land of sin and death. For I am Christ, and I have brought you out of the land of sin and death. Now what? Well, you hear it every Lord's Day when we come to the table. It was this morning. What are we to do? We are to live in light of what we have confessed. This is the fourth vow. Christ as Lord. And is there any better way to live? Yes, you must give up certain things. You must trust in the sovereignty of God. You must be patient. You must hold fast. You must at times look at the things that the world is doing and saying, I kind of wish I could do that. Lord, teach me to hate the things that you hate. Grow me up in grace. How do we keep covenant? We cannot divorce law from affection, from devotion, from childlike clinging to the one who is the object of our affection. Which means this, in your times of private devotion when you have them, don't just take up the scriptures and read. But speak to God as Father. Ask Him to strengthen your spiritual affections for Him. Show love for your neighbor. And you will quickly learn the heart of your Redeemer. We must see, as Joshua calls us to see, all that God has done. And that is what a lot of preaching ultimately amounts to. This is how you encourage your neighbors in Christ. Remember? 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 May we remember the love of God.